Hello, and welcome to episode 22 of the Casual Try Hard Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm James. And this week, we're taking a, a, a listener question and kind of blowing it out into a whole episode. Yeah, we've gotten uh, a lot of great feedback from you guys, and we hope you continue. And uh, most of our episode today is pulled right from Twitter, right? Yeah, this is this is the Twitter episode. Yeah. One day we'll have enough for our mailbag. This is this is this is a mailbag that had one one letter that we could do one long topic on. Sure. So per usual, you can find us on Twitter at Casual Tripod. Yep. On Facebook at Casual Tryhard MTG. You can email us at show at casual tryhard And uh yeah, tell your friends. There you go. And uh Thanks to Twitter, our avatar Canadian Nick yeah. was like, "Hey, the show is not on uh, YouTube, not not, <laughs> not 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 on iTunes." And I was like, "Oops, I forgot to uh, load the audio. My bad. Had the descriptions there, just there was no audio." Sorry about that. Thanks, Nick. Yeah, thanks, Nick. Thanks for the save because <laughs> yeah. I would not have noticed. Today's topic is from again. We're gonna. I'm from West Virginia. We don't read good there. Uh, <laughs> it's um, from R. Pomier. Sure. Sure. Sounds right to me. On Twitter. And he wanted us to kind of touch on how, as a new player, you Mm -hmm. make the transition Mm -hmm. from arena to paper. Yep. And so James and I are coming at this from a different angle. Yeah, we kind of, I mean, we both started in paper originally. Yeah, like a million years ago. Yeah, like branched off into the digital world. So it's a little bit different for for us, but we're going to kind of try and break down the pros and cons of like all the different ways to play Magic. Yeah, so... We're going to do that, and then we're going to talk specifically about how to get from arena mm-hmm. into paper, and maybe yep. ways that you can do that on the cheap, kind of yep. leveraging arena to kind of make your experience a little cheaper. Yep. There are three main ways that people play Magic, mm-hmm. right? They play in paper, they play on arena. And Magic Online. Yes. Still, for some reason. For some reason, that, that platform is dying quickly. Yeah. So, like I said, we're going to break down kind of the pros and cons of each. Yep. We'll, we'll go from there. So we're going to start with paper. So there are the big pro yeah. for paper. My favorite is a personal interaction. You get to sit down across from somebody and you get to see the look on their face when you're grinding them into dust. It's fantastic. Okay, well, there's that. You can also make friends as opposed to just crushing souls. Yeah. You can make friends. <laughs> I have uh, made a lot of really good friends, uh, including my co-host here, Brian. Yeah. L- lots of great people we've met playing Magic. So I moved here six years ago, seven years ago, mm-hmm. and I really didn't know anyone. And like after my first year here, I picked up the Magic Digital... Uh, duels of the planeswalkers mm-hmm. and i played it and i was like well this is fun i should go try to find a store and yeah. since then i now have a group of friends because mm-hmm. i went to the store and kind of kind of got over there is a barrier like yeah, a little you bit. go into a new store a lot of stores are a little clicky yeah and they don't like newcomers yeah and it takes a little while to kind of find your place mm-hmm. but for the most part you can find your place the, yeah but yeah, that's how I have like any friends in this area at all. Right. So, yep. so that is a positive. I think uh, it was almost the exact same story for Cameron too, right? Our friend Cameron. Yeah. Okay. He uh, moved to the area and didn't have any friends. and He started playing three months before me. Yep. So he started in the end of Theros block. So like Born of the Gods? Yeah, Born or Journey, I guess. Yeah. And then I came in at the tail end almost like, like a month a m- two months later than now, yeah, 
in like the the cycle of standard. Yeah. So is uh, that like core set? I'm like core fifteen. Yeah. So magic fifteen. So right there, right before cons block. Yep. You know, frequent mention on the podcast, uh, Anthony. Mm-hmm. He came, I guess, around Battle for Zendikar, or yeah, maybe a little so. before. That sounds about right. And he didn't know anyone, and he came to the store and asked me to help him with a draft deck. Mm-hmm. And that was how he kind of got integrated into the group. So it's yep. a really good way to meet people, and the people that you meet are typically people that you kind of stay in contact with for a long time because you have this like well you have similar interests yeah Yeah, you have this thing in common you're all probably nerds and you're going to talk about nerd stuff absolutely and we do all the time yes so especially in our uh eight hour trip to dc this weekend yes i'll be i'll be in the back (laughs) probably editing this podcast yeah so the rest of us will be talking about nerd stuff yeah i'll have on headphones and just be going to town (laughs) and you have on here that you there are playing in person is different like it is you get the you get different information right yeah we kind of touched on this a little bit uh, a couple episodes ago where we were talking about like bluffing and like that sort of thing but you can read your opponent a little bit where you don't necessarily get to do that when you're playing digitally what regardless if it's arena or online you know you can kind of read your opponent's face when they draw their card you can see them going like in the tank whereas like on magic online or arena even if you're waiting you're not really sure if they like got up to take a leak or if they're really going in the tank yeah and you can pick that up when you're playing in person like you can see people like fiddle with their land and maybe it's you have to figure out okay are they trying to like bluff me that they have something yeah or do they actually have something and they're just like trying to decide if they're going to play it or not? Yep. So like there's all that little game. So it, it kind of adds an extra dimension mm-hmm. to the game that you don't have just digitally. You know? Right. Um, you have, and then I think it might change over the next few years, but mm-hmm. I think paper is still where you get the most respect uh, for competitive play. Yep. Absolutely. Right. There's no one to hold your hand here. Correct. There's no, there's no client that's keeping track of your triggers for you. You have to do it all. Yeah, you have to keep track of everything. There's, yep. We talked about, I think, last week or two weeks ago, the um, the fact that they had to stop your MCQ because people forgot yeah. about their Planeswalker statics. Yeah. Right? That's not something that can happen in Arena. Never. If, like, someone casts Thought Erasure and you have a Tamiyo out, mm-hmm. the Tamiyo just glows red and they think it's bugged because yep. they can't take a card. Yep. Right? Wow. Right. In paper, though, like, if you forget your Tamiyo has that ability, they yep. can take that card. Yep. Right? It happens. And, yeah. Or, you know, so you have your hand held a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it's just you're more responsible for having to keep track of everything that's going yep. on. Uh, life totals, too. Like the, the client's not keeping track of your life total for you. So you've got to do that. And it's up to you to be efficient and correct. Yeah. So. I know there are times that I miss something and I just get my opponent's like, you're at 14. I'm like, well, okay. I usually, uh, when I'm playing at a more competitive event, I try and announce every time a life total changes. Yeah. I will announce both of our life totals. Yes, I try to do that as well. Yeah. But sometimes, like, especially like in modern, you might miss a fetch land because something right. else is going on. It happens all the time. And then you're like, and then you go to, yeah. you're like, you go to make the announcement and you're like, okay, 13, 14. And they're like, I had you at 13 as well. And yeah. you're like, okay, I must have missed that fetch. And yep. it's like, oh, it's fine. It's There's more on you. Correct. So you're not just focused on the strategic decisions. You have all of the other like kind of housekeeping stuff yeah, that running your brain the game. has to use. Yep. You have to use you have to use some brain power for that. And then there's also planeswalker points. Yeah. Which, um, neither digital client, as far as I know, keeps track of planeswalker points no. or affects them whatsoever. No. So planeswalker points for people that don't know are uh, tied to your DCI number. 
which again, as far as I know, neither digital client is tied to your DCI number. And they count for buys at Magic Fests. And they were supposed to count towards MCQs also. Now I know that for this coming season of MCQs, they did away with the Planeswalker point requirement. But if I remember correctly, it's supposed to be 300 for each season, right? Yeah. And that's not like an insignificant number of Planeswalker points. Like you do have to actually go to events to get that number. I wrote down here real quick, last year I ended up with 1,800 Planeswalker points and I played in two RPTQs, two MCQs, nine PPTQs, and two GPs. And all of those have high Planeswalker point multipliers, whereas like when you just go to an FNM, there's no multiplier. Yeah, so the way the Planeswalker points work is each win you get in a sanctioned competitive event mm-hmm. yeah. is being reported through Wizards Event Reporter Right, is going to earn you three Planeswalkers points. Mm-hmm. Every draw is going to earn you one, and you get nothing for a loss. And then right. there's a, a small number of points attached to participation right based on the size of the tournament and then depending on kind of the the level, level of, of the event, tournament yeah you can have two four or nine point multipliers yeah i think so so there will be some like i think uh when they were doing standard showdown those were mm-hmm. like a 2x multiplier really two or three i two thought they three. were three maybe they were three there were there yeah. was some small multiplier but yeah. then at a magic fest the the main event's like a 9x multiplier. Yeah. Um, and when side I, events or something as well. Yeah. When I looked at the GPs, um, not that I've done great in GPs lately. Um, usually I've like just missed the day two cut. And I want to say I had like 200 Planeswalker yeah, points right. like, from like just missing the day two cut. Yeah. And side events as well. I think side events are like four or yeah. something, three or four. Yep. So like playing some side events and then playing the main event mm-hmm. and doing okay, you can in a weekend get two to 300 pretty yeah. easily. Right, which is what you need for you know a quarter worth of MCQ invite. Um, however, you're not going to go to a GP every quarter. No. So. No, you've got a job. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, um, a wife to come home to and yeah, a bunch of I, other stuff to do. I think that I had, a, I had two buys like two or three years ago, probably yeah. three years ago. And that was that was like a grind at the end. Yeah. Cause, like his one buy is thirteen hundred. Right. And I think I have one buy's worth, but two buys is twenty two fifty. Yeah, that's a lot. It is a you've got to play a lot. I think that I think I got my two buys when I was playing Magic like almost every day. Yeah. Usually at an F and M, like a three round F and M, if you go two one, mm-hmm. right, you're gonna get like seven or eight points with the participation, and then three zero is like ten. Mm-hmm. with a participation point yeah so you can think like that's like 30 fnms right to get to 300 so you've got to play relatively frequently mm-hmm. or in some bigger events yeah and then there's the travel which we've kind of gone to some places we wouldn't have otherwise gone some good some yeah. bad but we've gone to places we wouldn't have otherwise gone we've definitely found the found the venues that we prefer i think yeah so like we've gone Kind of up and up and down the East Coast, mainly up because yeah. most of the things are towards like the Mid Atlantic. So we've gone to yeah. Charlotte a few times. Yep. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Yeah, we <laughs> we don't get to Char- go to Charlotte anymore because of politics. But yep. that's another podcast. Yeah. And then Baltimore, so, DC. Baltimore, DC. Richmond. Richmond. So you know you get to go to these places you wouldn't otherwise go to. Yep. And now, there's not like 
we don't have enough time to usually like sightsee or anything. It's more go do the event. Yeah. Do your best to find like a, a decent cool, dinner somewhere. Yeah, a cool restaurant somewhere in yeah. near the the venue. Yeah, I've got written down in our notes here to uh we get to visit new cities and spend a whole bunch of time in their convention center. Yeah, so you don't get to go out a ton. Yeah. Usually depending on how people are doing, you usually leave around seven or eight. Yeah. And so you get like a late dinner. You like are trying to scrounge to find something that's not too far away and yeah. not too busy. Because if you're too close to the convention center, then you can't get in. Yeah. If you're too far away, then it's an ordeal. Yeah. Driving's a pain when you're trying to organize large groups of people also. I mean, if you're into, you know, if you're into following magic content creators like, like us, mm-hmm. uh, right, you're going to see maybe less now. Yeah. But you are going to see some like magic content creators, streamers. Yeah. I don't think Magic Pros as much anymore since they've kind of de-emphasized GPs in the in the yeah. pro in the pro levels, which is kind of a shame, especially for I guess like what our listener is. I remember the first GP that I went to was GP Charlotte in 2016, maybe, and uh, me and our friend Nick, who we're going to DC with this weekend, uh, went to a restaurant like right around the corner from the convention center. And we sat down at our table and looked up, and there was LSV and Reed Duke and BBD, like all just hanging out at the table next to us. Yeah. Every time Bowman goes to a GP and sees Reed Duke, he goes, yeah. I love you, Reed. <laughs> Which I think Reed might have him arrested for stalking at some point. At but some point, probably. It, it's So far, it's been fine. Yeah. But yeah, so you get to, you might get to have that kind of interaction if you're like, yeah. oh, I really love fill in the blank streamer. Yeah. Maybe they'll be at this GP. Mm hmm. And like I may have a chance to get a photo or something, so that's that's something that you get from going to those kind of larger paper events. Yep. And there's also like the cosplay people. Yep. And there's like, a bunch of vendors. There's Artist Alley. Yeah. So there's like when you go to the big when you travel to the bigger events, you just kind of get to see different people and mm-hmm. you get to kind of experience different things. Like most people aren't showing up to like F and M cosplayed. Right. <laughs> Logan was dressed up as a dinosaur. That was but, great too. <laughs> yeah. That has been immortalized on a token. It sure has. Our our shop's three three uh, dinosaur token is Logan in a dinosaur suit. Rar, rar. And then we have here from like an an older episode, right? You can spec and turn a profit. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't happen all the time, but right. So again, what we mean is like being like, I think this card's going to be good. Yeah. Buying them when they're cheap, and then if it is good and it goes up in value, then selling it and using that to perhaps fuel the hobby yeah buy into another deck or whatever and depending on how you do it like i have a a pile of dominaria legendary sorceries that i'm getting rid of because yeah. none of them pop but i got in you them, bought in cheap so i got in them for like a quarter or like 15 cents so like i'm gonna basically break even or be down like 50 cents or something so it's not the end of the world but i also bought some sliver hives at five dollars and they're like twenty dollars yeah now. we did it make them go away we're gonna keep four yeah. just in case just in case but we're going to get rid of two of them and have paid for the other four. <laughs> the magic finance, if you will, aspect mm-hmm. of things gives you kind of like a different game to play or yeah. like a sub game. We're, uh, we're kind of both into magic finance more than I think like the typical player is. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that we'll go over finance again in a future episode. Um, we did spend like two whole episodes on finance. So if you're one of our newer listeners, uh, go back and check those out. Otherwise, like I said, I'm sure at some point in the future we're well, going to... We'll touch on it we'll hit on it because we're always kind of looking at like 
okay, this card might be good. Or yeah. like a card gets printed in a new set and we're like, oh, this might enable this thing. Yeah. I should go get some. So those are the pros of playing in paper. So like those are the things that are really going to want to drive you from arena. Mm-hmm. To paper. Now there is some downside. What's your well? Before we go into okay. downside, what's your favorite pro? Like what? What? Why would you rather play in paper than anywhere else? Hmm. Or would you? I think that I think format variety. Like one of the things we have for arena is you kind of are stuck in standard or yeah. whatever kind of goofy format you have at the time. Like just being able to play kind of different decks that mm-hmm. you that you have and being able to play modern or legacy. I think that is a, an advantage over paper. Yeah. And like, you know, getting to hang out with you nerds is fine. Like, that's, that's <laughs> yeah, all right. I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. The friends is definitely a positive that you're not going to get anywhere else as far as I'm concerned. Um, I've made a lot of really good friends playing Magic. and Not only, you know, fellow players, but I'm really good friends with the owner of our local game store. Yeah. And that's something that would have never happened if I hadn't started playing Magic. And I really like the, uh, like we kind of touched on reading your opponent. I, I really like that part of the game too, like kind of the mental game, okay. and that you're never going to get playing digitally. So no. I think those are my my two favorites. So there are some some cons in paper. Mm-hmm. Some of them are kind of a uh, kind of mirror the pros. Yeah, and one of them is a personal interaction. Yeah, our favorite thing about playing in paper is also kind of a con of playing in paper. Sometimes you go to a larger tournament and there are some people that are bath challenged. Uh, yeah, that definitely happens. Uh, there are some people that, you know, and I'm guilty of being salty sometimes, but there's people that are like really just miserable humans. Yeah, like beyond salty, like not just salty. I can understand somebody being bummed because, you know, they yeah. had a bad beat or, you know, were unlucky or lost a game they should have won or whatever, made a play mistake. But some people are just nasty. Yeah, and like that's not something that you get like an arena right i have my emotes off you can spam your emotes all you want i I, don't see them i have never had my emotes on they were on for like the first week of arena and i said i've had enough of this yes i am done with this yep so that is that is something that is sometimes not the best yeah uh like we said it's it's harder to play it's harder to play correctly correct right so missing triggers yep i've missed triggers in uh in day two of a gp that have cost me a game Mm -hmm. like going through a bunch of stuff and then missing something simple that I should have done. Yeah. It's kind of what separates the pros from everyone else also though is like when you're when you're playing especially at more competitive events, you're looking to gain those small edges wherever you can and, you know, an awkward trigger like draw like Mishra's bobble, having to remember that you draw a card at the beginning of the next turn's upkeep. Like that's the only card that does that that sees any play. It, it's hard to remember if you don't have the client reminding you every yeah, time. Yeah, and I mean there are there are, you will win games that you shouldn't have won because your opponent has forgotten a trigger. Yeah, forgotten to pay for their pact. Yeah, there's yep. there's a number of things that just wouldn't happen on the digital yeah. side of things. I think the biggest con for people that are at that you know branching out yeah moving from arena to paper yeah or not looking to be super competitive or super invested though the game has a way of sucking you in yeah is the cost right an average standard deck is probably if you just went and bought the singles it's probably three to six hundred dollars depending on the standard deck you're trying to build in like the season that's what i was just gonna say that number has definitely gone up and come back down yeah it has um, moved all over the place i remember during was it con standard decks were almost a thousand dollars for a standard deck i think that was it was cons, cons battle right cons and battle because all the decks played the fetch land yeah the fetch the fetch land mana base yeah and jace 
in NJ. So everything yeah. was super expensive. Yeah. There's also been, you know, competitive decks that cost $100 or less also. I mean, that's probably not quite mono red because they play Phoenixes. Yeah. But, I mean, I think mono red after the Challenger decks are probably 100 to 150. Yep, right around there. It really depends on what you are trying to, to play and build, but there is that cost. Yep. And in the older formats... Modern and Legacy are just prohibitively stupid expensive. And not getting any better. No, they've nothing has really driven the cost down. We're going to the GP this weekend or Magic Fest and I mm-hmm. have a, a box of standard rares that I'm getting rid of. And I'm like, maybe I can get a Grim Monolith yeah. for $200. <laughs> That's what I want to come away with is like a Grim Monolith or two for yeah. all of these cards. I'm going to turn a fat pack box of cards into one, card. two, one or two <laughs> cards. Yeah. So the cost is really prohibitive. Yeah. When I first came back to the game, I was like, I don't want to spend a lot of money on this game. Yeah, how and long it that just, last? <laughs> it has not lasted very yeah. long. That is something that a lot of people complain about. Yeah. And it's something that you have to try to balance. And we're going to talk about ways to maybe mitigate the cost using yeah. Arena. But that is something that's just always going to be an issue is the fact that it's a, it's a hobby that's kind of a privilege. Yeah. Um, One thing that I do want to touch on right now while we're talking about cost in paper particularly, and I'm sure we're going to touch on other parts of this later on, but it does get easier. Once you have gone through your first standard rotation, you're not going to have to completely buy into the format again because you're already going to have half or more of the card pool. So it's not like you're buying into a whole format all over again. You're only buying into whatever new sets come out once rotation hits. It's it's kind of like Arena. Yeah. Right? When Arena started, it basically started in earnest the open beta yeah. with guilds. Nah, sure. Right? That was basically where it was. Yeah. Uh, that was when I started, right? The open yeah. beta was right around there. Well, if you needed an Ixalan card... Right. You weren't drafting Ixalan. You weren't getting Ixalan as your reward for getting your win, your 15 wins yeah. for the week. Like you, you either had... spend wild cards or buy packs. Yeah. And now, hopefully, as we've gone like through like almost a year now yeah. of of Arena, you've probably got a bunch of guilds cards and a yeah. bunch of those cards, and you have to go back and get whatever random commons or uncommons you need. Mm-hmm. But once the rotation happens, you're going to have all your guilds cards, right. all, all your, your Ravnica cards, and then you're going to be getting the next set as yeah. rewards. And so you're not going to have to go back and buy those Ixalan cards. That's right. going to be the same way in paper. Right. And to extrapolate that out a little bit, that works the same way like for Modern also. Like if you have been playing Standard for you know multiple rotations in a row, there comes a point where you have a lot of the staples for the format. Now, obviously, neither of us played during Time Spiral. If I was, you know, going to go play Jund or whatever, you're going to have to go buy Goyfs or Future Sight. That stuff can't be helped. But the longer you've been playing for, the more of those staples you're going to have. Typically, in paper, commons and uncommons don't have a ton of value. Right. So you end up keeping those. And then you you'll get rid of your rares. And if you start to think about modern and particularly modern about like what cards are typically successful, you can yeah. look at your the rares that you're going to get rid of at rotation and go like, I don't think these rares are going to make an impact on modern. Right. I can get rid of them. You know, a seven seven dinosaur that costs five white 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 that kills all other dinosaurs. <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, probably not going to see modern Rising play. Sun's Avatar or whatever. Yeah. That's not going to see modern play. You can get rid of that card. But there are mm-hmm. other cards that might be like, you're like, well, maybe I shouldn't get rid of my search for Azkanta. Right. Or Arclight Phoenix or whatever. Yeah. I'm totally getting rid of my search for Azkanta. Those are $15. Are they really? Yeah. I also don't play blue in modern. Ick. Yeah, I don't really play blue in any format, so. But you can, like, have a kind of a critical eye, so then you can take all those Ixalan cards that you, or all those cards that are rotating that you've accumulated through standard, get rid of them, and then turn them into the next set. Mm -hmm. Or Or cards for a different modern deck or whatever you're looking for. Yeah, so you just, like, you're just able to move things around. There's a player, I haven't haven't seen him play a lot, uh, that was local, that would just basically sell his modern deck. Mm Mm-hmm buy a new modern deck, play that modern deck for a month or two, mm-hmm. figure out if he liked it or not. And if he didn't like it, he would sell it and buy another modern deck. And he just kept doing this. Yeah. And I don't know how it, it all like works like profitability wise. Cause like you really hoping that you're like not getting screwed somewhere. Right. But he would just do that. He would just cycle through modern decks. Mm-hmm. And if he found something he liked, he played it for six months yeah, or, or whatever. a year. And then he would go move on to the next one. So selling your cards is a way to kind of, to lower the cost mm-hmm. of, of magic, but it is, it does take some work. Yeah. And again, that's uh, something that we had already talked about in our uh, finance yeah. episode. So like I said, if that's something you're interested in and you want to hear more about it, uh, go check those out or keep an eye out for it in the future. Cause I'm sure we'll get back around to it. Yeah. Uh, another thing that you don't have in the digital offerings is tournaments don't always fire. Yeah. A lot of times, probably not necessarily FNM, but like the weekly events, and even like some some of the smaller PPTQs um, have been like borderline close to not firing. But like modern sometimes doesn't fire every week here. Um, yeah. Legacy doesn't fire every week here. It really depends on how big of a player base you have locally. Yeah. But if you're like in a you know if you're in a smaller town, like Myrtle Beach isn't small. I mean, right. there's probably like a hundred hundred fifty thousand people. You know, from like the south end to the north end yeah. or something, and like you don't always get a bunch of people showing up for an event. Right. So you might like be like, hey, it's Tuesday. I'm going to go play standard. And you pack up your stuff and you go to the store and there are four of you. Yep. And then you're like, well, that sucks. Yeah. Drove and, all that way for nothing. Yeah. And unfortunately, like those kind of things kind of like feed on themselves. Yeah. Right. Like Tuesday didn't happen. So then you go back the next Tuesday and it didn't happen. And then on the third Tuesday, you're like, I'm just going to stay home because it doesn't happen. Yeah. And then it's more likely not to happen. Correct. That is that is an issue is like you can't always count on like the events actually happening. Yeah. And it's fine if, you know, it's fine if you're 10 minutes from your store. Right. But if it's like a half hour drive, like you don't want to make that commitment and then yeah. it not happen. And then you got to know where you're going to play. Yeah. I mean, that kind of leads into what you just said. Like people don't always have a local game store super close by. We're pretty lucky here at the beach. There's one pretty central to everything. That's awesome. But not everybody has that. You've got to really kind of know where you're going to play before you kind of move into paper. Yeah. So, again, local game store or, like, do you have a group of friends that play in paper? Yeah, I mean, back when I used to play when I was a kid, there really weren't local game stores. There were, like, comic book stores and there were sports card stores, but none of them were really what we today look at as a game store. And when we played, it was like in the food court of the mall or at the local library. Um, Sometimes there'd be an event at like a church nearby, but we hardly ever played like at a game store. Yeah. Like we, I started playing in like the hallway of my high school. Yeah. So like just knowing kind of where you're going to be playing and who you're going to be playing with Mm -hmm. that can also like, again, feedback on like costs. Like if you're just playing with your friends, like you can put together like, 
yeah a reasonable like you know it's got like kitchen table deck yeah as long as you uh you stay out of the arms race because that's what always happens yeah (laughs) one person gets a really cool rare then you have to get a really cool rare too yeah and then the last thing again a pro and a con is travel yeah if you uh like i really like to travel and that's one of the things that i like about this hobby in particular is you know half a dozen weekends a year we get to go somewhere and some place that we don't look at every day and hang out with you know some good friends of ours and grab a couple beers and have a good dinner and play some magic but if you're not into that or don't have the the means to do that that can kind of be a turnoff also yeah it's like i wish i could go to this tournament but i just can't afford it yeah so yeah it is it is pricey by the time yeah. you like figure in gas and hotel and then yep. tournament entries and all that yep. stuff it ends up adding up yeah i mean we're probably 250 300 bucks into this weekend before we like play a game yeah between the hotel and registration yeah, yeah. and then food that we eat yeah yep so then we have magic the gathering online yeah also known as like moto yep i uh i tend to call it moto because yeah. the first time i actually got on moto it was called moto what are the the pros for for playing on magic online yeah this is one that uh you seem super excited about but i have never done so i've played zero games of magic online oh okay zero games i've never downloaded the program okay and that goes into a, uh, the con here in a second. Yeah. But, like, different formats, particularly right. Cube. Well, it's also where Momir started and mm-hmm. Pauper yes. uh, was strictly a Magic Online format. They can do some of the weirder stuff. That There's also a format called Penny Dreadful that's played exclusively online. I don't know if you ever heard of I've this one. I've never heard of that one. It has a rotating ban list that updates weekly, and I believe how it works is there can be no card in your deck that costs more than .01 tickets. Okay. So it's it's not just, you know, commons, uncommons, it's strictly bulk. It's only cards that are worthless, and the reason the ban list updates every week is because that's when it makes most sense to check the prices. Okay. But you can do things like that on a digital client that you can't really do on paper. Yeah. So I really enjoy uh, watching YouTube videos and Twitch streams of mm-hmm. like Cube, particularly Vintage Cube. Mm-hmm. And that's not something that you get in paper. Correct. Uh, you have the older formats. Magic Online is one of the few things that is keeping like vintage alive. Yeah. Like vintage is almost played exclusively online. Kind of legacy too. I mean, you can buy a legacy deck on Magic Online for like 150 bucks. Yeah. Whereas you're going to spend twice that on a Bayou. Yes. Yes. You're going to spend twice that on one of your 75 cards. Right. It also has the same thing as Magic uh, Arena. It remembers your triggers yeah. and things like that. Although it's nowhere near as pretty or as seamless or does anything as well. <laughs> yes. It's Arena if Arena got hit by a car and put in a coma. <laughs> <laughs> Stay with us, buddy. So the cons, and this is why I have on here that I've never played a game of uh Moto is that uh, it has a really high learning curve, or at least it looks like it does. The interface is terrible. Um, I have messed around on Magic Online. Never super serious. I did, before Arena was around, I did do a little bit of standard practice for an event we were going to on Magic Online. And I did do a little bit of modern testing on Magic Online at one point. But I lost more games to just the program itself than i did actually losing games yeah like the the way the cards are programmed is weird and like some things you pay before some things you pay after like 
And you don't know, like, when you're supposed to do it one way or the other way. And sometimes I think, like, some of the templating of, like, yeah. oh, this effect you hit yes yeah, to get the effect you want. But then on this thing you hit no. Where, where for, it's worded the same. Where it's worded the same. Yeah. So there are, there are some things that are that are just kind of eh. Yeah. So I've never kind of messed with it. It has a lot of the same cost issues as Paper Magic. It can. They're, they are lower. The, the overall costs are typically lower. Yeah. But they do have, there is some fear now with the economy of people sta- staying out of Magic Online and playing Arena. Yeah, like standard events are much, much smaller than they were. Yeah. I've heard the limited resources guys say that the competitive queues yeah. for drafts don't fire. Wow. They do not happen. You can get an intermediate yeah. league or an intermediate draft to happen, but you can't get the competitive ones. Wow. And Magic Online, it was built to mimic the paper magic experience where right. you open packs and build a collection and opening packs is how you put cards yeah. into the economy. Right. And if people aren't drafting, then Nobody's you, don't opening have, pack. you don't have access to the standard cards that you need. Well, and when, um, was it when guilds came out, Arclight Phoenix? Was like the most expensive card on Magic Online? It was, and it was worth more on Magic Online than it was in paper. Yeah. Because nobody was opening packs of the set. You couldn't get the cards, and it was seeing play in every format. Like, everybody needed them. You just couldn't get them because nobody was opening packs. So Magic Online, you can trade cards or you can sell cards, and the selling is done through a trade interface and there's yeah. a bunch of different companies that have built bots yep. to like buy and sell cards for them. Yep. So if you, what is it? It's uh MTGO bot yep. is it's a uh, Cape fear games, Cape fear games in, uh, in Wilmington, like an yep. hour, an hour and a half from here. So there is some fear about the economy and there's still like that cost issue. Mm hmm. Of it is going to be cheaper to put together your standard deck, but you're still going to have to put in like actual money. Yeah, I mean that that was the hardest thing for me, and one of the only reasons that I didn't actually buy completely into Magic Online is I didn't want to have to buy all my cards twice. Like if I played Jund in paper, if I was to play Jund on Magic Online, like I looked it up when I was making the show notes, Liliana the Veil is still thirty dollars on magic online like i i'm not gonna go buy you know my hundred dollar copies in paper and then spend another thirty dollars for a copy that doesn't even exist yeah and you can like sell out and get money get like your money back through like bots in some like convoluted system yeah but you're still like locking up your money in yeah and that's hoping that you're going to get your money back out also. Yeah. And then the last thing is that much of, like we said, much of the yeah. standard and, uh, and draft l- limited stuff yep. has now migrated to arena. Yep. Because it's just a much more intuitive, straightforward interface. Yeah. It's a lot easier to understand, a lot easier to visualize. It's prettier to look at. So the streamers have moved over. Like almost nobody, except for like Frank Lepore, like almost nobody streams anything on Magic Online anymore. When Cube comes out, everyone pretty much streams Cube. Well, right, but that's because that's not on Arena. Yeah, Lepore has has moved his way to Arena begrudgingly. Oh, I haven't seen him do anything on Arena. Every time I bring Twitch up, he's always playing Magic Online. Okay. Like, even Standard, he's playing on Magic Online. So, I've seen him play some. But, yeah, there are some people that are holdouts. Yeah. Like, this is how I've always done it. Yeah. Uh, Well, he does a lot of drafts, and, like, a lot of people in his stream don't consider Arena drafting real. Yeah, that's true. So... We'll get to that in a second. I think that's yeah. all of our kind of like moto stuff. Yeah. I think unless you're really into older formats, mm-hmm. I don't think that 
Magic Online is a place that you want to go after Arena. Yeah, definitely not. Right, like I would I, not recommend it. Yeah, I think it's going to die at some point. Yeah, I'm hoping that Arena just takes it over and we can play some older formats on Arena at some point, but. That would make sense. Who knows when that'll be. So then the last thing and the thing that everyone's most accustomed to Mm -hmm. is Arena. Yep. Arena's great. So what are some of our pros for Arena? Uh, There's a whole bunch of them. It is significantly cheaper than playing in paper. You can play almost for free if you just do your daily quests, get your weekly packs. You really don't have to put much money in at all. I've been playing since I was part of the first alpha, like before the economy even like existed in Mm -hmm. Arena. So I've been playing for a while, and I still don't think I've put $100 into the game. Yeah, okay, well, you've got maybe a, a dollars into the game. But, you know, <laughs> hey. but it's way cheaper to play Arena yeah. than, even standards cheaper to play Arena than paper. Yeah, so like I said, um, when War came out, mm-hmm. I think I've spent, I've actually spent $50 to end up with almost a complete set of war yeah. through like seals and then just opening packs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you don't have, like you can't do that in paper at all. Correct. Yep. There's no way to do that. Right. You can always get a game on arena too, right? Yeah, You can always just go on and click and you will play against someone. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of a pro and a con also because we've made some, uh, not very nice comments about grinding the ladder, the ladder. Yeah. And the uh, ladder. The like ladder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what we're going to call it from now on. But, like, grinding the ladder can be awful, but also, if you think of it on the flip side, there's always somebody there waiting to play you. Yeah, there's always some, There's always going to be a game. Yeah. And, like, you know, you don't have to worry about a tournament not firing. You don't yeah. have to worry about an event not happening. You yeah. have to put on pants. Correct. Like, you can just, like, eat your cereal, cereal in the morning and get in a game. Mm-hmm. After you eat your dinner, get in a game. Like, yep. you, there's always a spot for you to get a game in. You don't have to, like, do any, like, planning. Correct. Other than, like, just, like, sitting in front of the computer. Mm-hmm. So that is really good. Yep. I guess there's, you know, part of that is why the uh, kind of standard metagame has changed so quickly. Is yeah. There's always so many games going on. Yep. Things move super fast. Yeah, you can't you can't chase it. Yeah, just like Magic Online, it's going to remember all of your triggers, all of your static abilities. Yeah, it does all the housekeeping stuff for you. It keeps track of your, your life, your energy, whatever. Yeah, and it's, it's really straightforward. It's a yep. really clean, straightforward interface. You know what's going on. Yep. It reminds you now what cards your opponent has seen. Mm-hmm. Which is really nice. Like, Magic Online doesn't even do that. That interface is awful. Yeah. It reminds you what opponent what cards of your opponents you've seen by making them face up so like you don't have to write them down or anything like that so there's all these things you have the the weird formats Mm -hmm. like we did momir which uh, got like mixed results yeah it was not my favorite uh, then we had the the, the popper, popper. Yep. which was all commons, but they were only from like standard legal sets. Yep. Oh, we currently have singleton, mm-hmm. which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about that. So you get these weird formats that pop up that kind of keep it fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, a little palette cleanser in between your ladder grind. Yeah, and then the interface is like super easy. I think it's awesome. It's clean. It's polished. It looks pretty. They have the little like tutorial thing. Yeah, takes you like five minutes and you can jump right in and play yep and the fact that they give you a certain number of free decks yeah can just get you right in and like playing a magic deck it might be powered down yeah 
but you can get in and like play a magic deck. Mm-hmm. And it's also it's also cool because they keep like dribbling us little like teasers too. Like every pre-release, you get a code for a couple packs, and like randomly they'll throw you a code for a pack or a new skin for a card or whatever. You just get random little bonuses yep. here and there. Now, granted, they are kind of like a drug dealer. Yeah, you're like, oh hey, you like you like that cool Stangat class thing. <laughs> Well, these other six, you gotta gotta give me a little, give me a little uh, money for that. <laughs> what do you think? And you know, people are just like, "Oh my god, I just just need my fix. Just my pretty Liliana, just can you take my six dollars." <laughs> like, oh, okay, okay, cool. They kind of give you those little like things that you can do, yeah. the sleeves and things like that. You mm-hmm. can kind of customize your experience. Yep. If it wasn't for this, I would not play Magic digitally at all. Right. I would, so this is the only reason I got into well, and it's arena. like I think goes for both of us. Like your life has changed, you know, quite a bit in the last eight months or so, and yeah. mine has also. And like I play less paper magic than I used to. Not yeah. that I want to. That's just kind of the way life goes. And uh, like if it wasn't for arena, I would play a lot less magic than I used to. Yeah, this is this is what has kept me kind of attached to magic because i just don't have the time to go yeah. out and play set aside four hours to go play a four round tournament on right. like a wednesday night like that just can't happen all the time now yeah so cons in this one this con is is just something you have to get used to and learn yeah. about it's the auto tapper yeah um, sometimes it just gets you yeah i know you like to turn the auto tapper off sometimes I don't ever turn it off. Like, if I'm having an issue where I think the auto-tapper is going to get me, I'll, like, tap my mana first. That's how I do it. I tap my yeah. mana first. Okay. I, I rarely go into full control mode to, yeah. to do that. But, yeah, I'll tap my mana first. But sometimes you're not thinking or you're yeah. kind of on autopilot, and then you're like... You're, when you're on your 100th game of mono red trying yeah, to... Like, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do this, and you're like, oh, I really needed that black source. Why did it yeah. tap my black source? What am I going to do? Yep. And that's something you just have to, like, be mindful of. Mm-hmm. Apparently, there are some things that to make the game move smoother mm-hmm. that kind of get washed or glossed over. Yeah. And one of them are some of the transition, the priority passes. Okay. Aren't nearly as clean, if you will. Yeah. Right? Like in paper, you're like, I'm going to go to combat now. Yeah. And you're recognizing that, hey, we're going to combat. Or you go to attack with your creatures, your opponent's like, wait a minute, I want to do something before you went to combat. Like yeah. you, ha- you have that. Uh, Legion War Boss yeah. is the biggest defender for this. Right when you play Legion War Boss in the main phase, if you don't, as the opponent, put a stop right. when Legion War Boss is on the stack, you don't have a chance to uh, kill it before it makes a dude and attacks. yeah, because it jumps right to combat yeah. and then it makes a token when it goes to combat. And once yeah. that triggers on the stack, you're done. Right. So like for the Mythic Championship three, yeah. the one in Vegas, apparently you have to be on Discord with your opponent and you have to say. I'm about to cast the Legion War Boss. You have to tell them first? You have to tell them so they can put in the stop. There are like three cards <laughs> that you have to announce because they haven't figured out a way to like fix yeah. the priority Good job, passing Wizards. thing. This is where someone at Wizards goes, well, it's still in beta. Yeah. But you're yeah, making I'm a sure. ton you're making a ton of money. A like ton you, of we, money. we can fix these little things. Yeah. So there's some little like things that like you learn, like, oh hey, I've had multiple times someone put like I have a shock and someone puts mm-hmm. a Legion War Boss on the stack and I'll just go over and like put a stop yeah. like before combat stop. Mm-hmm. And then let it resolve and then shock it before they get the token. But if you have a cast down and they don't have a creature, yeah, there's no target. So it automatically just goes 
from the stack onto the battlefield. Yeah. And then there's only standard cards. For now. For now. There is a whatever we're calling it, Arena Extended, is supposed to be coming with rotation this fall. Yeah, so basically, since there's no way to get rid of your cards on right. Arena, like, you can't dust them to turn them into new cards, right. you can't sell them for money, you can't trade them in, they're going to try to make a format that runs effectively from where arena starts yep. forward yep. so that there is a place for those cards to go. I've heard um, some differing um, start times for that also because I know when I started playing arena in the pre-alpha or whatever it was, I was like one of the first testers that got in. We were still in Kaladesh standard. When I came over to your house, I remember doing dinosaurs versus pirates was the deck you could do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kaladesh was still in the in okay. standard then though. Okay, so when you came over that night, the I, th- I think the only cards that were in were Ixalan cards. Okay, but then it was opened up to standard, and okay. Kaladesh was currently in standard. Gotcha. So Kaladesh cards were in there, and then during one of the resets, they wiped Kaladesh out. So you had Kaladesh, Amonkhet, Ixalan. But I've also heard that as far back as BFZ has been programmed into it because before they went alpha, they were testing the program in-house and had BFZ and Shadows okay. were programmed into it. So nobody really knows when it's going to start. It would kind of make sense for them to push it back as far as they can to make people you buy, know, packs. buy packs, Yeah, but who knows. For those of you who didn't play in Kaladesh, that set was special. Yes. <laughs> that, yes, it that, was. That set was interesting. It needed more playtesting before it went onto the wild. Yeah, they, uh, they should have left that one in the cage still. Yeah, that one was whoo. something that we didn't touch on that is kind of a pro for Magic Online and Arena is it teaches you the stack. Yes, right? which is very hard to learn I, on paper. I definitely will, when I'm doing stuff, having, having I've watched Twitch with Magic yeah. Online or watched... Uh, YouTube videos, Magic Online. I visualize stuff as the Magic Online stack. Yep. Where I'll be like, no, 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 no. This works like this because this is this stacks and then this. And like right. I see the stack as like Magic Online or, or Arena. Mm-hmm. So it does, while it, you know, kind of holds your hand and makes you, and like maybe sometimes stacks your triggers for you. Mm-hmm. Turn that off in the settings, guys. Stack yeah. your own triggers. Yes. It will definitely help you see the stack in paper. Yeah, it'll make you a better player. Yeah. So, like, I turned off my auto-stacking of triggers when I was playing Gates. Yeah. And you have... Well, you have to. You have Gate Colossus and... Guild Summit. Guild Summit. And it would auto-stack the triggers that you drew your card and put your Colossus on top. Yeah. You had to switch them so you put your Colossus on top and then drew your card. Mm-hmm. And I lost multiple games. Because you didn't draw your Gate Colossus. Yeah. So I changed my triggers and won some games. Yeah, good job. Uh, yeah, so you just have to, that's something that you can fix in the settings super yeah. easy. It definitely makes you a better in-paper player mm-hmm. just visualizing the stack the way that Magic Online or Magic Arena yeah, does. Yeah, that's a really hard thing to try and teach somebody who's only ever played Paper Magic because there is no like visualization of it you realistically can even do in paper. Like It's easy if you're just casting a bunch of spells and you can kind of like line them up in your hand and say, okay, this is how this is going to work. But you can't do that if there's you know multiple triggers from the same card and it just gets really confusing. Two triggers from the same card or multiple yeah. triggers and then you've got to be like, okay, I'm going to put these in the right order. Yeah, uh, like back when I was playing... Um, four color rally Mm -hmm. like that deck had a lot of triggers it was hard for me like piloting the deck 
to visualize to my opponent what was going to happen. Like what I saw a lot of people do was try and build the stack like as your rally resolves. What I would do is say, okay, I'm going to resolve this first, this second, this third. That way, like there's no questions about how I'm you yeah. know, explaining it. Like I'm going to resolve this first as opposed to I'm going to put this on the stack first. I guess technically isn't the way you're supposed to do yeah, it. But a, yeah, but it you, can, you can see it and figure it out. Yeah. Those are kind of all the ways to play. Mm-hmm. I think that for ease of play and ease of getting a game, I mm-hmm. don't think that you're going to beat Arena. Absolutely not. Right. It is the most convenient way to play. Yep. I think paper, there's a lot of pros to paper. There's I a agree. lot of things you can't get from the digital offerings. Yeah. My favorite parts of the game you can't get from the digital yeah. stuff. And like I also said earlier, we're both kind of heavily into the finance side of the game, which just doesn't exist digitally. And then you have, I think Magic Online just has too big of a learning curve. Yeah. And there's, there's too much uncertainty of like, what is it going to be in 18 months to like dump a bunch of money into play? Yeah, I would not recommend it. Right. Especially if you're coming from Arena. Yeah. Right. You're interested in Standard and maybe Draft. Right. Which don't really exist on Magic Online anymore. So. Okay. I'm going to circle back real quick. Okay. There's one more arena. We touched on it. One more arena. Con is the draft environment. You're drafting. Oh against, yeah. You're drafting against bots. Right. You're not drafting against actual people. So a lot of things get passed that shouldn't get passed. Yeah. The card evaluations are kind of they're set by like an algorithm or yeah. like a pick order list. The Soraform hybrid. Yeah was the best green common and you could get it on the wheel all the time yeah uh the gates deck in uh was always open was always open at the beginning yeah and then they had to go in and change it and then the deck was like you could never draft it that's also kind of a pro also though because as a format evolves and has been online for a while they do go back and air quotes fix the bots a couple times where yeah. they will update them with you know relevant pick orders and stuff so it mirrors a traditional draft more closely yeah it's but, not going to be perfect yeah but. but initially though there are a lot of people aren't so much interested in drafting the best deck as being yeah. like i can always get the gates deck right i'm going to force the gates deck yeah and so you don't get like a real like a draft experience and there's yeah. oftentimes like i'm sure it doesn't happen a lot but there's a lot of twitter pictures of like pack one pick two lilianas yeah <laughs> and like pack two pick uh pick two uh ugins or like yeah that should never happen you know, they're like, oh, I got a, I got a fourth pick, Lyra. <laughs> what? How? <laughs> so that's that's a different thing. Yep. So you've played a lot of arena, and you decided you want to move into paper. Mm-hmm. So how can you go? What are the things you need to know about, or how do we want to start going about doing? Uh, well, the number one thing to realize is if you have been playing best of one on arena, paper magic is very different from best of one magic on arena. First thing is that you play more than one game in a match, obviously. Yes. And you have sideboards, and you have to learn how to sideboard, which is a whole skill in itself. But also, Arena does some things for you that... uh, That you don't know about. Right. So the things that it does is they try to minimize Mm non-games. So they draw multiple hands. Are we up to three hands that they draw now? So they draw three... the, The program draws three hands. Okay. It looks at the, the three hands and, and gives you the one that has the best land to spell ratio or the ratio that best matches your deck. Yeah. And what that does is that encourages, particularly mono red, mm-hmm. to play a much lower land count. Yeah, like I've seen as few as 14, 15. Yeah. 
So you play this super low land count because the program is trying to give you a one or a two land hand yeah. to start with. And so then you can leverage this. This, this game's going to be four turns, yep. and I'm going to draw four spells. Yep, and they're all going to be lightning bolts, and you're going to die. Yes, and if you take your mono red best of one arena deck, mm-hmm. and you build it in paper exactly as it is. You'll never play a game. You'll never play it. You will just mulligan into oblivion. Yep. And never see like functional hands. We actually had yeah. someone do this. Mm-hmm. He like let someone borrow his mono red deck, and he like kept getting mana screwed. And he's, I was like, "How many lands do you have?" He's like, "I have 17. And I was like, "Yeah, you need yeah, 19 you need or three 20. more." <laughs> and the guy was like, "Oh no, that's the deck I play on Arena." And I was like, "Ah, yeah, like here's getting, the problem. You're getting bailed out. Yeah, and so you have to be mindful of that. Yep." So we've had, I've heard stories of people coming in and go like, well, this deck works on Arena. Why doesn't it work here? Right. And it could just be that you're playing best of one. There's also like if you're playing in, let's say you're playing in like silver. Mm-hmm. Silver or like gold yeah, four that's or whatever. Yeah, that's another thing. Right. You're like free to play. Kind of whatever you want. Yeah, you're free to play whatever you want or like just the free to play like Merfolk deck. Yeah. Maybe that's good enough. Mm-hmm. But then if you go to a store and you have a bunch of people that are playing the top tier right. decks that are making Mythic all the time. Yeah. Command or Esper or whatever. Yeah, your, your Merfolk or like your mono white deck that's you know kind of based on the, the entry mono white deck yeah. isn't going to win a lot. And you have to be like, okay, like I'm starting out. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe eventually I will get my collection to this point, but I'm getting the interaction, mm-hmm. the, the the personal interaction. I'm getting all these extra benefits, and I'm learning to be better. Mm-hmm. I'm fine taking my lumps as I build my collection. Yeah, basically what happened is instead of working your way up through the ladder, you went from bronze three to platinum. Yeah, really fast. Yeah. Like, you just showed up and you were there. Yeah. And that can be jarring and, dis- and disheartening, mm-hmm. but you just have to realize, like, okay, like, I have... I'm starting out. Yep. And one day, if I want, I'll be able to have a deck like that. Mm-hmm. But you just kind of have to, you know, wait and see. And now, again, once you make those personal relationships, maybe someone has... An com- extra deck. Yeah, they have Command and they have Esper. Yeah. And you really wanted to play Esper, but you've not been able to. Right, maybe you're not going to buy $40 to fairies, so... Yeah, so maybe that person, you can be like, hey, man, can I can I play Esper? Or you watch them, like, oh, man, that deck looks really neat. It looks like it'd be fun. And they might just be like, yeah, like, you can play this next tournament. Like, I'll make yeah. sure I bring it. I mean, that happens pretty frequently. Yeah, we do it all the time. So that can be something where you can, like, borrow a deck mm-hmm. once you kind of build that network and have people that you can get decks from. Right. You can also try to use Arena to keep your costs low. Yeah, so if you do, like, all your practicing on Arena, where, you know, you say you're interested in four-color command, Esper control, and... Gruel. Sure. All very different decks with very little overlap. But because you're playing on Arena, you're kind of keeping your costs down. Probably have most of the cards anyway if you've been playing for a while. You might have to blow some wild cards, but on average, a wild card costs less than Chase Mythic Rare from the last set. So build the decks on Arena and kind of kind of figure out what your play style is and what kind of decks you like to play. And then you can build them in paper. That way you're only building one deck in paper instead of, you know, three or four. Yeah, you don't have to like put together Gruel and be like, yeah, I don't like this. Right. Right. And then try to sell out of it and then try to put together the next thing. You can just put it together on Arena. Yeah. 
realize you don't like it, and then move on. Yep. And then once you've kind of locked in on a deck, be like, hey, the standard season is mm-hmm. like three months long. I spent two to four weeks figuring out what deck I wanted to play. Mm-hmm. And now I can lock in on that deck, get the cards. Yep. And now I have eight weeks with this deck. Right. Which, you know, in and of itself is a little disheartening when you're like, I spent money and I have it for eight weeks. Yeah. I mean, there is kind of a, like, no matter what you do, there there is a sunk cost there in, is a sunk in cost playing the game. Where you're going to, you know, hopefully get some of your money back. but well, Some of it, sure. Yeah, but you, you're never going to get it all back, though. Yes. It's just something, it's like the cost to play. It's like going yeah. to a movie, right? You wouldn't, like, buy a movie ticket and then be like, yeah, I'm going to sell this movie ticket back for, like, $4 yeah. right yeah. now. Like, but you might buy a $15 card. Yeah. Use it for a while and be able to sell it back for 10 Right. So really, it's a $5 card mm-hmm. in the end. Try to use Arena to figure out what you want to play. Also use Arena, like, if you decide, like, I want to make changes, make your changes in Arena. Yeah, test them out there first before you go buy in more cards. Before you go buy the cards. Like, oh, I want to I want to try this other Planeswalker in my command deck. We'll yeah. try it on Arena first so you don't spend the money. Yep. This one is easier or harder depending on how competitive you are. Correct. And that is... Uh, Try not to chase the metagame. Yeah, see, that that's really hard for us because we're pretty competitive players and we always want to have like the latest and greatest tech. But if you can, there are percentage points to be had by playing the same deck for a year versus somebody who picked it up two weeks ago and just jammed a bunch of games with it, right? Even if the deck isn't the most optimal deck for the time, you can gain points in a matchup just by having played it for a year. Yeah. And that'll help keep, keep costs down. When you lock into your deck and like this is the deck I'm going to play for eight weeks, maybe it's the deck you're going to play for 20 weeks because like you maybe add a few new cards from the next set, but you like want to keep playing this style or this this deck. Mm -hmm. And so you just kind of lock in and play that. Like if you're every week like, okay, well, Gruul's good this week, so I'm going to like get all the cards for Gruul and play Gruul. And oh no, now I think that other deck is good this week. And if you're constantly chasing... Gets expensive. Yeah. And even like the, you know, even when a deck stays the same, people are always tinkering and like, oh, yeah. You know, four color command was on two Massacre Girls and it was on like a Massacre Girl and a, Tif- and a Tristani and then it was on, you know, something else. Yeah, whatever. Sometimes you just have to get like, you know what? I have the two Massacre Girls. Just rock it. Yeah. Like maybe this matchup is 57% as opposed to being 50 or 59% with the Tristani. Yeah. I'm fine with 57. I'm going to play better because I've played this version a lot. Mm-hmm. Maybe I get that percentage point back or something. Yep. So just like be willing to say like, you know what, I'm going to play the A- minus version of this deck. Which sometimes is fine. Which is fine. Yeah. A lot of times the metagame cycles back around too. So if you sit on a deck long enough, it'll come around to be good again. Yeah. Uh, so that is something to just keep in mind that you don't always have to like chase and chase and chase and mm-hmm. like throw money into a deck. Yeah. The uh, the last thing we have here is um, currently, and I doubt ever, there's no way to turn arena cards into paper cards, which is a thing that you can do with Magic Online. Yes. Through two different ways. We mentioned earlier about selling out to bots. Most of those bots are run by stores, and they will give you store credit for their store to buy paper cards with them. Okay. So that's one way to turn your Magic Online collection into paper cards. The other is set redemption, which would be interesting if they did it with Arena, but I don't see how they could do it. On Magic Online, if you collect an entire set of whatever the newest standard set is, there is a period of time where you can send wizards the shipping costs 
and they will take that set out of your collection on Magic Online and send it to you in a box. I think you have to pay like $30 is the shipping. Yeah, something like that. And it goes back kind of far. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, there are times where you can like buy a bunch of stuff for like a penny yeah and build your magic online set and then get the yeah. get the cards yep it it never goes back further than what's currently in print yes so it's never gonna have anything that's not currently in standard i don't believe they do it for specialty sets like master sets or anything like no, that I think it's, it's like only standard for standard cards. legal sets but it is something to think about that's kind of weird that some people don't even really know about like some people don't know that's a thing you can yeah do. i think that's something that like they started way back when. way back when yeah and it's something that still exists but they don't advertise it right i think uh our our listener our pommier mm-hmm. again i'm sorry if I butchered your name, <laughs> um, he uh, he had said that he bought a Challenger deck, okay, and a Planeswalker deck, mm-hmm. and then he was like, "Well, kind of, what do I do from here to get into paper?" I okay. think the Challenger deck was a was a good place to start. Yep, Challenger deck. Got the mono white one. Made some of the changes we suggested, mm-hmm. and I mean that deck is going to be a good functional deck. Yeah. The Planeswalker decks are a little hit or miss. They're mostly miss, I think. Yeah, there's the Planeswalker deck only cards are typically at such a power level that they're not playable in standard. On purpose. On purpose. They designed the Planeswalker in the front to not be standard playable. Yep. They wanted to make sure that those decks were always on the shelf and make sure that more enfranchised uh, competitive players weren't buying them for singles. So they powered them down. Like if you enjoy the style of play that that gives mm-hmm. you, or if you buy one and then your friend buys one, and you want to play against one another. That's fine. Absolutely, I, I've right. done that before. Right, but uh, realize that you know going to like F and M, that deck's not going to give you a great chance to win. Right. The challenger decks are going to give you a pretty good chance to win, mm-hmm. depending on which Especially one. Especially if you upgrade them a little bit. Yeah, depending on which one you got, you can put a little bit of money into them and upgrade them. Yep. So I think that is a good place to start. Yep. Yep. Right now is also a really good place to start. For? For standard. In terms of like? Buying into standard. Okay. Right before rotation. Because you're not going to be... Actually, I guess right after rotation would be the best time to buy into standard. This time's a little scary, I think. Just because, right? Let's say you really want to play Salt High Command. Yeah. And you want Hostage Takers. That's true. Right, you buy your hostage takers for five dollars or whatever, and, and then they're worth nothing in September. Yeah, and in three months they're a quarter. Yeah, but you could play uh, like the command deck is mostly all going to be there. The command deck's mostly new, well, except for the Wild Growth Walkers and oh, that's true in the mana base. Yeah, the uh, the, the checklands. The I'll leave. So right now, getting in, you have to be mindful of there's Ixalan, mm-hmm. Rivals of Ixalan, Dominaria. M19. And yeah, Core 19 or whatever yep. are all going to rotate in September. Yep. So what that means, again, if you're new, right, is when we say rotation is standard is can only ever be eight sets big. Yep. And so every year, four sets are no longer standard legal. Yep. So cards that are exclusively played in standard lose almost all of their value. Right. After their two years in standard. So yeah. the cards that are looking, that are going to tank are those. Cards are going to rotate in September when the fall set comes out. Yep. When I started, I started right around a rotation Mm -hmm. and I purposely tried to only get cards that were going to be in the following standard. Yeah. So 
it did limit what I could do because mm-hmm. I was like, well, I don't want to spend a bunch of money and then all my cards not be worth anything. Only for a couple months, though. Only for a couple months. So yeah. like, if you were starting now, like M19 would be a good set to start to start with because it's going to be in standard for uh, sorry, M20. Yeah. M20, Core 20, the naming conventions are A+. <laughs> uh, Core 20 is going to be a good set to start with because that's going to be in for an entire year. Right. right. You'll, you'll get the most bang for your buck out of it. Yeah, you know that that's going to be here for a year. So yeah. anything from Guilds of Ravnica to Core 20 that comes out in three weeks. Yeah, we should be insane. getting spoilers for like any minute, right? Yeah, this is insanity. We just got done. We got off the uh, ma- uh, Modern Horizons hype train. Yeah, real fast. Got to get on the uh, Core 20 hype train. But any of those cards are going to be around for a year. So yep. if you're building a deck, maybe try to focus on decks that focus on those cards mm-hmm. and minimize the cards that you're going to have to buy that are going to go down in value. So this might mean, you know, maybe you don't spend $5 on hostage shakers. Maybe you spend $0.50 cents or a dollar on Ravenous Chupacabra yeah. and get, you know, 75% of the, like, utility. Yeah, but you're also paying you know less than a tenth the price yeah you're paying significantly yeah. less so those are the kind of concessions you can make um i mean some of that stuff happens naturally around rotation also though um the closer we get to rotation it seems like the decks lend themselves to being the next standard they're yeah. closer to the next standard than the previous standard yeah so with core 20 coming out as like a good like kind of jumping in point because you're going to get the maximum amount of time for those cards in yep. standard how do you approach new sets like getting cards for a new set i probably buy more than most people as do i so what i typically do is i pre-order a box yes. uh, number one because I like opening packs. Number two, because I feel it's important to support the local game store. Yeah, I like to, I usually get two boxes. Okay. And that lets me have typically a playset of all the commons mm-hmm. and most of the uncommon. So yep. I end up with any uncommon that I need, I know for the next year I'm going to like have. Yeah, see, this this is kind of where we diverge a little bit because you buy two boxes off the rip. I buy one box off the rip, but I play in every single pre-release. I play in most you of them. Get, well, you, I don't play in the midnight one because yeah, I'm old. Yeah, well, I, I'm getting there. It was a, a lot tougher for me to do the midnight ones this last time around than it has been yeah. in the past. And then typically, like between the pre-release events, like the actual packs and the kits, mm-hmm. And price support, I end up with like two more boxes. Yeah, I usually will do three or four pre-releases as opposed yeah. to five. Yeah. And usually get a box worth of prize packs. So yeah, yep. I usually end up with somewhere around close to a box and a half, two boxes of yep. this extra stuff. So that puts me right about three boxes of product that I open every single set. That gets, like you said, that gets you... At least play sets of every common and uncommon. Occasionally, you'll need to buy like, you know, five or six uncommons to finish your play sets out. And that gets me most of the rares, maybe not complete play sets of all of them, but at least I'll have some yeah, number of most of the rares. Same thing goes with the, with the mythics. You're not going to get play sets of them, but you might get like one of each. And then from there, I usually try and pre order cards I'm really interested in playing. Like in between pre-release and when the set comes out, but only ones that I've seen that have been super cheap. Yeah. Like if something really impressed me during pre-release, and I see that the uh, pre-order price is cheap, I'll jump on it and you know buy eight, eight, ten copies, whatever. The worst time to pre-order cards is as they're getting spoiled. Correct. Because the big 
card sellers get to set the price. Yep. And that's where they like, like soak up all the money. And then like after pre-release and then right after release when there's a lot of supply. Yeah. Because a lot of people will have gone and done their pre-release and been like, well, I I don't want any of these cards. I want to get rid of them. Yeah. That drives the price down. Or I opened a box and now mm-hmm. I got to get rid of some of this stuff. Yep. I opened a box and that was a financial mistake. Now I need to try to get some money right. back. Right? That's going to drive the price down. So it used to be you wanted to buy singles about three weeks after a set hit actual release. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the case anymore. I think now it's like within a week of actual release. That's when the most product is going to be in the market. Yeah, and that's before the first like major event. Yeah. So people aren't like jumping on like, oh, Hydroid Crisis was better than Brian thought it was. Right. And now it's $35. Yep. Uh, for example, there's been a bunch of decks with a, a Hogak. Yeah. And I went on TCG Player because I was like, I want to see how much. Maybe I'll get some because this is like right up my alley. Like, I yeah. was going to get some, but I didn't realize that people were going to break them in like two days. Yeah, he was pre-selling for a couple bucks, right? Yeah. Um, on TCG right now, there were two copies. They were 50 bucks a pop. What? Yes. Holy moly. Someone bought out every copy on TCG and there were two listed for forty nine ninety nine. Wow. Well, congratulations, Juan. Yeah, did he buy a bunch? Well, we he, opened he, one we for opened him. We opened one for him. Yeah. That's, point. That's a good point. Is that video a lost video? It is a lost video. I'm sorry. Yeah. We, we explained a sealed pool very well. Yeah, we did a great job. And But there were people outside talking. And so... Yeah, the audio is all awful. It is lost forever. So yeah, so I will usually buy, like I said, two boxes, do some pre-release, pre-releases, try to win some. Yep. And then I kind of... I don't pre-really. I don't pre-order a lot. Yeah. I usually try to like finish off like play sets or something that I think like yeah. might look like it's modern playable. I will go after. Mm-hmm. I'm usually looking for things that are modern playable. Yeah. Whereas I'm a little bit more of a standard player, so. Yeah, and then uh, from there, I usually will kind of start playing limited, mm-hmm. and I think limited is a good way in general to to transition from no collection. To oh a yeah. collection. Oh, it's a great way. Right. It's so probably you, the best way. If you're going from arena, where if you like playing limited, mm-hmm. I think that is that is a key here. If you like playing limited and you want to go from arena to paper, mm-hmm. start playing drafts at your local store mm-hmm. or do the pre-release and do seals. Yep. I started playing draft a lot. Yeah. Because I didn't have any cards. And I felt like when I played a draft, no one had any cards when we started. That's right. You're all and in the same, uh, same play field. The end. Yep. Right. So I felt like that gave me a chance to. I was on an even playing field when I walked in. Yep. Right. As opposed to being like, I don't want to spend money on these singles. Yeah. So I'm not going to have as good a deck. I'm just going to get good at limited. I'm going to learn how to draft and get good at limited. Yeah. And depending on your store, like, you know, maybe a standard constructed event is $5. Mm-hmm. And some stores, a draft is 10 Yep. Or, you know, 12 I, Ours is 15 Ours is a little bit more. Yeah, but uh, like a lot of the $10 draft stores don't offer prize support. Yeah. And a lot of the $12 draft stores do... Offer support in packs. Yeah, or they do like a rare redraft, mm-hmm. which is an awful way. I don't recommend anybody do that. Basically, that means is at the end, everyone takes their rares and puts them in a pile. Yeah. And the person who won gets first pick. Yep. And they go like that. But again, depending on how your store does it, it might not be too much more than a constructed event. Right. And you're going to leave more than likely with... Something. Two to four rares. Yeah. You're going to leave with a handful of uncommons. Mm-hmm. Right? And sometimes you have to be like, well... 
I really want this card for my constructed deck. This is not how I should draft this pack. That's how I'm going but to. But I really though. want this card for my constructed deck, and you just take it. Yep. And now you have one more Ajani's Pride Mate. Oh, I have certainly taken uh, shiny uncommons over playable rares in draft before because I wanted them for constructed. The last draft I did, the person beside me was like, should I take the card that's good for my deck or should I take the money? And he took the card that was good for his deck. And you took the money? I got my third, Karn the Great Creator. Oh, there you go. For for uh, constructed. And Perfect. I was, like, I was like, yep, we're done here. We're taking this and... Yep. We're not going to look back. We're not going to yep. feel bad about this at all. Good work. But yeah, you get that. So you have the ability to get rares mm-hmm. and get uncommons. And draft is fun, right? So that is a way that you can get from nothing to something Yep, is to start drafting. So if you do that, then you can start to build your collection and start to build the decks you play in Arena. Because I think initially you're going to have to lock in on one deck. Yeah, and, and you, be okay you're not going to be able it. to build everything. I think you're also going to have to look at costs like again like oh, i want to play four color command well that deck's probably five hundred dollars yeah right it's really hard to go from i have no collection to like walking into a store and putting five hundred dollar yeah. bills on the counter yeah and like that's that's crazy yeah i've seen people do it you can buy two boxes of modern horizons for that yes you can <laughs> get all the hogax all the hogax i think be open to playing limited mm-hmm and like building your collection slowly. Yep. And it you'll will, get there. Yeah, you will get frustrated at times where you're like, oh man, I wish I could have played a different deck. But like you'll, but you'll have to kind of like bear that cost a little bit. Yeah. And I mean, like you said before, uh, we were talking about borrowing decks. Like you can borrow cards too. Like yeah, if you no. have most of a deck and you got a buddy that's, you know, got a couple extra Tamios that, yeah. you know, or, that's fine. That happens. Or, you know, Hey, I need rekindling phoenixes. Yeah, they're gonna rotate. I don't want to buy them. You got them. Yeah, exactly. It's like, are you? If you is anyone not playing these? Yeah. So like, we have a group chat of like eight Mm -hmm. to ten players. Oftentimes, it's like, hey, does someone have this? Mm -hmm. And people will go scrounge in their boxes and be like, yeah, I have one. And you know, I put together a gruel and I was missing a bunch of cards. Yeah. And it was like, I got three cards from Logan, one card from James, and I was able to put together the deck and play it for an F&M. Yep. And I didn't have to go spend $60 for the cards that was missing. To realize you didn't want to play it anyway. Yes, I did not want to play the card anyway. (laughs) Never hits his third lane drop. So yeah, so be like, so once you start to build that network you're gonna get in a group chat or on a group text and you're gonna be able to be like hey do you have this it goes back to uh, one of the reasons why i like playing in paper is building friendships uh arena i think that we have come to a point where we're not for whatever reasons this standard format has really not like spoken to us yeah, that's kind of strange too because like everything about these command decks should be right up my alley. Yeah, like I I really like them, but like it's just I don't know. There's just something about this format where I'm not super enjoying it. Yeah, I'm not really either. I'm kind of looking forward to rotation. Yes, and um, they've given me an alternative mm-hmm. with this like War of the Spark like Dory. Yeah, whatever thing. it is. So basically what Arena does, as you guys probably know, is as the format goes on, they start throwing in like wacky formats. Mm -hmm. So we've done Momir, we've done Popper, and now we're on Singleton. Mm -hmm. So Singleton is like Commander Junior. Yeah, with no actual Commander. With no actual Commander, but it's that Singleton vibe where the games kind of have different feels. So I've been playing a lot of that. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And you got a spicy list. Yeah, I tweeted it out. It was my... So I was playing Sultai the last time we played Singleton, and I spent like... I just kept tinkering with the list with the new cards before I could play it at all. Yeah. Sparky got abused a few times when I was like, hey, <laughs> <Poor Sparky. laughs> is, is this okay? I hope I win, but I'll be happy if you win too. Sure, Sparky. <laughs> Sounds good, buddy. Ugin, who's winning now? How's your 2-2 flyer for three? Um, Not good. Dead. Yeah. Um, poor Sparky. So I tweeted this out and it's like, uh, so most of the most of the decks in this singleton format are looking to grind and generate value. Yeah. Uh, there are some people that are mad people that are playing like mono red and mono white. Wow. Yes, I've lost to mono white curve outs of one drop, two drop history, Gideon. Oh, God. And I'm like, yeah, cool. You got to play like standard for, for yeah. four turns <laughs> and, I, and I didn't. Yeah, that'll never happen again. Yes. So I've been playing Sultai. Mm-hmm. I think like green blue is like the best color combination to generate like value. value. Yeah. And I want to ramp and kind of go over the top of people. I just want to like cast big giant spells that make it so their stuff doesn't matter anymore. Like you do. Yes. And so I think the other options you can play are white mm-hmm. or you can play black. Mm-hmm. And the reason to play black is Maldrotha. Yep. So three green, blue, black for a six six. Mm-hmm. And when Moldrotha's on the battlefield, you can play any permanent from your graveyard. One of each type. One right? of each type. Yep. So uh you get like this little display on arena that's like cast a land. Awkward. Uh, <laughs> cast an in, uh, cast an artifact, cast an enchantment, cast a creature. Right. So if you have four types in your graveyard, you effectively can draw four cards. Mm-hmm. You, you just it won't let you cast planeswalkers? And planeswalkers. Yeah. Right, it'll let you play any permanent. So like it's black is play Maldrotha, and then you get to play all the black planeswalkers that kill things. You get to yeah. play Lily. You get to playing green, and I play a bunch of ramp. So you get to play uh, Finale Devastation, and yeah. you have one End Raise Forbringer uh, Forerunners because it gives your guys trample. Yeah, get them. So you can just do it for twelve pretty easily when End your games ends. Yes, yeah. you uh, when your deck's full of mana dorks and circuitous routes and grow from the ashes, you get to twelve. Yeah, pretty easily. And Nissa, Nissa gets you to twelve. Yeah. So I'm just playing a pile of planeswalkers and bunches of ways to generate value. I'm playing a couple of the finales. I'm playing the black finale. Mm-hmm. A three for one is good. Yep, it's always good. And then because I'm a monster, I have one. I have the one masterminds acquisition. Oh man, what are you going to get? I have a full cyborg. I- <laughs> I cast, uh, I was behind. My opponent had four lands, but had um, uh, Biogenic Ooze. I went and got a River's Rebuke, bounced all this stuff. He had to replay his Mana Dorks, play his River Rebuke, uh, play his Biogenic Ooze the following turn, and I went Tamiyo, down tick, River's Rebuke you again. <laughs> up tick Tamiyo, up tick Tamiyo, down tick Tamiyo, rebuke you again. Oh, man. Uh, That's brutal. I have Omniscience. I Omniscient someone. Oh, nice. So I had 10 mana. I was like, get this, and then I cast like, Everything? Everything. Yeah. Tamio, go get something, cast an Ugin, like good times were had by me. Yeah. So I just have a bunch of like giant dumb stuff. I have like uh, Ritual of Such, mm-hmm. a Varaska's Contempt. We're not playing removal that's not a planeswalker that I can't get back with Maldrotha. <laughs> Argyle's Blood Fast in the sideboard, Mass Manipulation. Yeah. So just these giant things that yeah. like you can just go get. Tons have, of value. Yes. Plain White Celebration in the main. With, oh, yeah. Uh, Spellkeeper Weird. Yep. That's a good one. Yeah. So you just get to keep recycling your Plain White Celebration. 
You get a back plus. to Spellkeeper weird. Yes, A+. Yeah. Plus. So, yeah, it's just a bunch of value. And these formats are fun. They're free. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to put any money in to play. Yep. They're a good palette cleanser, too. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know how much. I keep thinking, like, I should try to get out of gold. Yeah. And then I'm like, I don't want to play. Like. <laughs> it's all right. I should try and get into gold. <laughs> I I got my 15 wins on the singleton. Yeah. The first day. And I just keep and going back and playing, playing singleton. I'm like, okay, this is fine. Like, I'm enjoying this. Yeah. Like, I'm sure, I don't know, I'm sure there's a schedule. Next week is probably going to be the, um, like, the Cascade format, you oh, might maybe. guess. Because that's usually the one that they do for Constructed is the Cascade. Because yeah. they do the nothing costs anything for draft. Yeah. You know, if you're not having fun with Standard, like, put together some singleton list. I tweeted one out. I think that there's a Bant version yeah. of, the, of the deck where you take the black and you play tamios and you play god eternal ketra mm. uh, i'm low on creatures so you played white you'd probably with god eternal you'd want to like have more creatures yeah and, July and whatever before i was playing um guardian project and beast whisperer mm-hmm. but i think i only have like you know 10 creatures now because i get all my value from planeswalkers yeah but if you're playing god eternal ketra then i think you just play way more creatures and that makes you want to play beast whisperer and mm-hmm. Guardian Project is drawn to of me. cards. I've seen like uh, a lot of people play like five color Planeswalkers. I have that deck. I mm-hmm. have a version of that deck built. Yeah, it was through extensive testing that I just put every rare planes, rare and mythic Planeswalker <laughs> that did something relevant in the deck. It's won a couple games. It has not come through a thorough like yeah. testing. It's like this man is awful, but whatever, it'll be fine. <laughs> play enough gates it'll work <laughs> it'll work it's fun and you can like tinker around and do kind of weird stuff that you wouldn't otherwise yeah get to do i saw someone tweet hey they were playing like mono green historic okay i looked at the list quickly and i was like okay i don't think i'll do that i'll stick with maldrotha <laughs> stick with maldrotha and planeswalkers yeah it's definitely something to just keep you going on to arena when maybe you hit a standard format that you're like, what? Kind of stale, waiting for it to change. Yeah, like I'm looking for, I'm hoping that there are some new things in the next format. Yeah. So hopefully before this, we had a nice like evergreen episode that people yeah. can kind of go back to. Let's hope so. It was they, a great question. Yeah, when they want to, when they want to go from arena into uh, into paper, mm-hmm. so, we've got a uh, we've got one more topic coming up. Um, maybe not next week, but probably if not next week, the week after. That's another kind of evergreen topic that we've pulled from uh, your guys' questions, also. Okay. So we've got that to look forward to. I'm old. I've totally forgotten. So I am as in as much it's, suspense uh, as you guys. <laughs> vocab. Oh, vocabulary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to do some uh, some vocab. Pretend like you're in grade school again. Yeah, we're not going to ask you to spell because I wouldn't be able to tell if you're right or not. I can barely <laughs> spell. I can barely talk. I think that's everything, right? Yeah. Um, if you guys have any more ideas for shows or feedback you want to give us or just if you wanted to say, hey, we love saying hey back. Yeah, if you email us a deck list, like we said, we will we will analyze your deck list. And Absolutely. Give you suggestions. Yep, maybe too much. Maybe Sorry, too much. Nick. Hey, he he wrote back and was like, "I'm going to make these changes, so we're all right. We're all right." He was like, "You guys are awful. You're mean." (laughs) Also, tell your friends. Yes, please. Uh, The more listeners, the better. The better content we can make. Hopefully, we can answer more questions. I just thought of something that we've never got to do before. What's that? If you're at Magic Fest DC, oh boy, and you see one of us, yeah, come up and say hey. Yeah, some of you might not be there. That's cool. 
But if you're there, you've hopefully seen a video version of the podcast. Yeah, you should check it out if you haven't. Yeah, and you can see what we look like. Come up and say hey, and we will uh, be weirded out initially and be like, oh, well, people know us. This is odd. This must be what Bowman feels like. Yes. Yeah, so uh, the Azure, we were at a tournament in Charlotte. It's been, it's happened a couple times. But uh, he had requested people give him Welch's fruit snacks. Yeah. And someone walked up to him and said, are you the Azure? Yeah. It's like, yes. And the guy handed him like fruit snacks and like prize wall tickets or something. (laughs) I was like, what the hell is this? What happened? Crazy. I was like, yes, I am the Azure. I'm like, oh. Yeah. All right. You don't have to give us anything. Yeah. I, and I can't guarantee I have swag for you, but I'll see what I can do. We have business cards. The business cards are swag now? We'll sign Man, it. you are old. <laughs> we'll sign the business cards. Sure, card. I guess they can use it for a token or something, right? There you go. <laughs> one, one, try hard. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Say one, one, try hard. Yep. So again, tweet at us at Casual Tripod. Yep. You can find us on Facebook at Casual Tryhard MTG. And you can shoot us an email at show at casualtryhardmtg.com. So we'll try to tweet updates of our tournament. Yep. And, and uh, we're not going to catch you at FNM. We'll nope. catch you at uh, GPDC. We'll catch you there. Hopefully, we'll win. <laughs>